the Frankly Daniel Show, and I'm the Daniel and the Frankly part of this enterprise. It's my weekly exercise of our First Amendment rights, and it is an honor to be here today with you. Thank you for joining me, and I promise to be good company. Your time is precious, and I do appreciate it. So let's jump right in. Where oh where to start today? So many issues, and they're all ripe for heated discussion and repudiation. Perhaps you haven't taken it to heart or you simply haven't taken it personally or seriously to heart just yet. Uh, Taken what, you say? All the policy blows the Biden administration has and is leveling at our American way of life. The blows Biden and his merry gaggle of anti-American handlers are battering the American family with these past nine months is truly remarkable. Oh, don't misunderstand. The the radical progressives have been viciously attacking the American family for the last decade, if not more. The progressives, and what a god-awful label, the progressives, the progressives and the entire Biden administration is so incredibly anti-family, anti-parent, anti-child, and anti-white people that I couldn't possibly catalog all the evidence if I had the entire day to tell you about it. And yes, I said anti-white people, and I'll speak more to this a bit later in the show. But, but I ask you to think back to Joe Biden's, and for that matter, Kamala Harris's speeches over the last 18 months. This includes presidential campaign as well. Honestly, have you heard one positive thing said about white people? I, I said one positive word, a a positive note, even a silly syllable about positive whiteness. All I've heard is negativity about all things white. White supremacy, white privilege, white fragility, white this, white that, white, white, white out. Of course, I'm a bit partial about whiteness. I never was before the Democrats began practicing identity politics pitting white and black and brown folks against each other. And don't feed me that crap that I'm one of those fictional white blind people, that I'm someone who unknowingly or subconsciously has remained an ignorant racist, a victim of my own white noise and self-indulgence in fictitional dominance over people with different skin colors. I'm totally fed up with the crap that being white is un-American. Here's an audio clip of Kamala Harris speaking on the national stage. See if you can recognize the place she gave this speech and the topic. Yes, let's see if you can guess who she's scolding and who she's talking in favor of. Racism is real in America, and it has always been. Xenophobia is real in America, and always has been. Sexism, too. For the last year... We've had people in positions of incredible power, scapegoating scapegoating Asian Americans, people with the biggest pulpits spreading this kind of hate. Ultimately, this is about who we are as a nation. This is about how we treat people with dignity 
and respect. Everyone has the right to go to work, to go to school, to walk down the street and be safe, and also the right to be recognized as an American, not as the other, not as them, but as us. A harm against any one of us is a harm against all of us. The president and I will not be silent. We will not stand by. We will always speak out against violence, hate crimes, and discrimination wherever and whenever it occurs. So what do you think? Joe Biden followed uh, Camilla's speech that day. See if you can recognize this one. Whatever the motivation, we know this. Too many Asian Americans have been walking up and down the streets and worrying, waking up each morning the past year feeling their safety and the safety of their loved ones are at stake. They've been attacked, lamed, scapegoated, and harassed. They've been verbally assaulted and physically assaulted, killed. Documented incidents against of hate against Asian Americans have seen a skyrocketing spike. We're learning again what we've always known. Words have consequences. It's the, it's the coronavirus, full stop. That hate and violence often hide in plain sight. It's often met with silence. That's been true throughout our history, but that has to change because our silence is complicity. We cannot be complicit. We have to speak out. We have to act. Sorry about the cadence of both Camilla and Joe's speech. They have to wait for the teleprompter to roll the lines by and Joe has to squint to read the words. That's why they had to build an oval office stage uh, set across from the White House so Joe can get up close and personal with the teleprompter. Now, it's a good thing the teleprompter doesn't have blonde hair. For if it did, Joe would be, well, okay, I won't, I won't say it. <laughs> but uh, yes, these speeches were delivered in Atlanta right after a deeply psychologically sick individual shot a number of Asian-owned massage parlor employees who happened to be Asian women. Now, as it turned out, this was not a hate crime against Asian women or Asians as portrayed by the tag team of Camilla and Joe. This was a heinous crime committed by a sociopath or psychopath who had a severe break with reality and murdered Asian women to whom he'd become sexually addicted. Now, had the Biden White House waited for this criminal's capture and then his confirmed diagnosis, this White House tongue-lashing would have never been necessary or even appropriate but had Joe and Camilla waited, they'd have missed an opportunity, a golden opportunity, to bang America's I'm a racist nation bandwagon drum. So, time was of the essence to get this ridiculous message out, and despite the fact that this evil and senseless killing had nothing to do with the other 328 million Americans living lawfully, they never let that get in the way of a very strange story. These two questionably elected clowns couldn't pass up the opportunity to bash Americans. 
And make no mistake, this was aimed at white folks, and in particular, Trump kind of white folks. All because Trump called COVID-19 the Chinese flu, and other geographically correct but uh, politically lame names. Wouldn't it be something if Joe Biden would stand up and give a speech to crying attacks on fellow Americans who dared to wear their Make America Great Again red baseball caps about town? Now, despite having a very generous life insurance policy, my wife will not let me walk out of the house with my MAGA hat, uh, and, and you know exactly all too well why. Okay, so you're ready for some more uh, evidence about um, white people and how the administration feels about white people? Here's part of a speech Kamala Harris gave uh, recently on our uncelebrated Columbus Day. The United States has recognized the voyage of the European explorers who first landed on the shores of the Americas. But that is not the whole story. Those explorers ushered in a wave of devastation for tribal nations, perpetrating violence, stealing land, and spreading disease. We must not shy away from this shameful past, and we must shed light on it. Yes, let's shed a little light on it. Just another swipe at white folks. You know, Camilla is in line to be one of our worst female vice presidents ever. Somehow, like all the history taught to us by progressives, Camilla failed to mention all the black Africans in the 16, 17, and 1800s who sold other black Africans into slavery. I mean, how did you think all these slaves got here? They sold their black brothers and sisters to European slavers, as well as Southern Democrat slavers. Yes, they captured other black people to sell abroad. And these conquering slavers killed many other fellow blacks they couldn't capture for sale. Yet we hear nothing from uh, Camilla about this. A very smug Camilla, I might add. We hear nothing about the 680,000 Americans, 680,000 Americans, including freed blacks, who died to conquer slavery in America and to maintain the Union. You know, in today's numbers, if 680,000 Americans died in the Civil War, that'd be closely equivalent to 9 million Americans. That's quite a proportion. And in preserving the Union, these men and women of all nationalities prevented the Democrat South from leaving the Union to perpetuate their system of heinous bondage and brutal victimization. And we're not told of the 1.5 million Americans wounded in the American Civil War, those that lost knees and arms and legs and hands and various other parts of their person. Medical care and prosthetics were nothing like they are today. Those with lost limbs suffered difficult and often shortened lives. And Camilla failed to share with us the savage brutality of Native Americans as they warred against other tribes of color. Yes, many of the Native American tribes captured and kept Native American slaves. I suppose when you enslave your own race, it's less of a sin in the eyes of progressives. Now, there's nothing good about slavery. It's one of the worst sins of so-called humanity. But let me tell you, without context, 
there is no meaning to any story. Just as slavery couldn't possibly exist in today's America, slavery did exist and could exist in the early American society, just as it did in, in the most sophisticated societies and cultures on the world stage in, in those past times. So take heart, white Americans, black Americans, brown Americans, and any color across the spectrum of human skin. We are all Americans, and conservatives of any color have always believed in this. It's high time we elect leaders that quit scolding any group of us for sins of others in a time past that we can't even imagine, nor were our ancestors any part of. Many of our ancestors were in other nations fighting for their own release from government overreach and bondage. My family arrived here from Poland in the 1920s, and like many Eastern European immigrants, Poles had no standing of respect in America. But importantly, they had the opportunity they could not find in any other nation on earth. Like every immigrant of foreign nationality, Poles had to earn their way in America despite the ethnic slurs, harassment, and discrimination. Joe and Camilla act like only they understand discrimination, and they know what it is when they see it. Again, our ancestors didn't struggle to come to America to be lectured by the likes of racist Joe and Camilla. Now, here's another short clip of Camilla lecturing an insensitive and ignorant racist America. America has a long history of systemic racism. Black Americans, and black men in particular, have been treated throughout the course of our history as less than human. Black men are fathers, and brothers, and sons, and uncles, and grandfathers, and friends, and neighbors. Their lives must be valued in our education system, in our healthcare system, in our housing system, in our economic system, in our criminal justice system, in our nation. Aren't you tired of this baloney? The truth is that George Floyd's murder had nothing to do with racism. It was bad police practice. No one testified that Mr. Floyd was the victim of a hate crime or that his civil rights as a man of color were violated. Too bad Joe Camilla and our Attorney General Merrick Garland don't feel the same way about parents lawfully petitioning their local school boards to stop teaching critical race theory and doing other things to their children. Now here's a clip from Joe Biden talking more about the George Floyd death by racism. I have complete confidence in the Attorney General, General Garland's leadership and commitment. I've also nominated two key Justice Department nominees, Vanita Gupta and Kristen Clark, who are eminently qualified, highly respected lawyers who have spent their entire careers fighting to advance racial equity and justice. Boy, did we escape a bullet when Merrick Garland wasn't considered for a Supreme Court justice position. And Kristen Clark, the head of the Civil Rights Division at the DOJ, she passed the Senate by one vote, and she shouldn't have even been nominated. Her track record on reverse discrimination is beyond shameful. And, and we'll soon find out that Ms. Clark 
is right in the middle of the memo by Merrick Garland to sick the FBI, the Civil Rights Division, and the U.S. District Attorney Generals on parents attending school board meetings. To ensure the black and brown people, or anyone, so they don't fear the interactions of law enforcement, that they don't have to wake up knowing that they can lose their very life in the course of just living their life. They don't have to worry about whether their sons or daughters will come home after a grocery store run, or just walking down the street or driving their car, or playing in the park, or just sleeping at home. And this takes acknowledging and confronting head-on systemic racism and the racial disparities that exist in policing and in our criminal justice system more broadly. Did you notice how Joe opened this clip? He says, to ensure black and brown people and anyone. Black and brown people and anyone. I suppose we're the anyone's. We don't even get a mention. We're just the anyone's. Aren't white people being murdered in Democrat-controlled states and cities? But Joe is worried about a racism he has to stretch so thin that he has to grab onto an unfortunate death of a man named George Floyd to scold us about his play on racism in America when it wasn't revealed even a racial act. And so Joe says, enough, enough. We can't have any more George Floyds. I agree with that, but don't blame racism on that death. So now that I've touched on parents, let's talk about parents for a moment. Parents want their school boards to stop supporting and defending perverse gender ideologies that have transgender girls, who are males who claim to be girls, inserting themselves into biological Female-only restrooms, locker rooms, sleeping quarters, and showers. Let's take a moment and talk about the overtly woke Loudoun County School Board and their stifling transgender ideology and policies that likely harmed a young teenage girl using a high school restroom, a girls-only restroom, that is open to transgender girls, like I've said before, boys who have declared that they are gendered girls. Mr. Scott Smith is the father of a 14-year-old daughter attending a Loudoun County High School as a freshman last year, last school year. His daughter allegedly was brutally raped by a self-proclaimed transgender girl in a female-only restroom on May 28th at a Loudoun County Public School. Earlier in the year, Loudoun County Public School Board endorsed a transgender policy allowing transgender students to use the restrooms and locker rooms of their preferred gender. Now, this policy made it possible for a biological boy to don a skirt and enter a girls-only restroom at a Loudoun County Public High School. He was eventually identified, and he's been charged with two counts of forcible sodomy, one count of anal sodomy, and one count of forcible fellatio, what a, what a resume, all related to a single incident that day at a Loudoun County Public School. Now, the school authorities asked the father, Scott Smith, to come to the school to learn about what happened to his daughter. The discussion apparently became quite heated as Mr. Smith was told that he had to keep the entire incident quiet or that he may not get justice for his daughter. The school wanted to keep the entire alleged crime secret. 
Mr. Smith didn't know why he took it at face value that it was necessary not to poison a jury trial or any other aspect of criminal proceedings. So, even though he was very exercised about the whole thing, he'd agreed to keep it quiet. Uh, but Mr. Smith got quite emotional during uh, this meeting and was allegedly arrested, or at least he was escorted out by police. Unbelievably, the county school administration, instead of sending out an email to warn parents that they haven't caught this perpetrator yet or, or whatever, they sent an email to parents of children in this particular high school warning them of Mr. Smith's behavior and not to believe anything he told them about an alleged non-incident at the school. Now, Mr. Smith, especially after his run-in with the police, kept quiet throughout the summer, but he decided to attend his first-ever school board meeting on June 22nd. More than 250 parents had signed up to speak at this board meeting because the board had a proposal to pass policy 8040, and 8040 is all about transgender privileges. This would grant special privilege to trans, uh, privileges to transgender students. Now, the board had apparently warned local police that Mr. Smith might attend the June 22nd meeting. Unfortunately, a well-known and easily identified transgender activist and pro-woke board supporter identified Mr. and Mrs. Smith and proceeded to antagonize him and his wife. Soon thereafter, the scene turned into a shouting match, and Mr. Smith ended up being arrested again, and I believe he was arrested with prejudice. In other words, he's been made out to be a troublemaker, but he's nothing, nothing more really than a loving and, and very dedicated father who is very troubled about what happened to his daughter, and even more troubled by how the school board, the superintendent, and the county prosecutor have handled the, the entire affair. Now, I am going to share the entire story next week. The complete story will require a dedicated hour to tell, and, and, and probably could take two. But here is a clip of Mr. Scott Smith telling a very small part of his story to Laura Ingram about why he attended the June 22nd meeting and what happened to him. I went there to find out why our children weren't safe. And the next thing I know, you know, another parent activist, you know, approached my wife and started antagonizing her. And I turned around and, and said, stop. And then I, then I tried to tell the lady what had happened to my daughter. And she looked me dead in the face and said, that's not what happened. And that just struck me like, how do you know what happened? You don't even know me. And then she kept going and, and the police came and, you know, the officer was trying to help out. He said we needed to be kind to one another. And I said, okay. And I turned my head and she started in on me again and threatened my family business, my livelihood, everything that, you know, gives my family what we need. She threatened to ruin my business on social media. The next thing I know, I'm getting touched from all over the place. I didn't know who was touching me, who was grabbing me. I turn around, the police are grabbing me, and next thing I know, I'm tackled to the ground. I, I, I'm just shocked. 
pretty amazing. I, I remember, uh, I hope you do, what, what I said earlier about cancel culture. <laughs> I mean, once you go against the woke message of gender identity and sexual orientation, well, uh, that's the end. Uh, that's what cancel culture is really all about. That's, that's why it's created, to handle moments like that. Parents are very organized in Loudoun County and in Fairfax County as well. I've been following their journey for more than a year now, and I have immense respect and admiration for these thoughtful, involved, caring, and endearing parents. Now, now here's another clip of uh, Scott Smith. He, he's talking about how the school board treats parents. Uh, this was Scott's first board meeting ever, and he didn't know what to expect. But nonetheless, nonetheless, he was shocked by the board's behavior. I believe that they had full intentions on trying to shut that thing down early because every time we clapped, you know, or tried to support somebody, we got scolded for it. You know, why aren't we allowed to clap? Why aren't we allowed to boo? You know, everybody has their own opinion. Why can't everybody just get along and discuss our differences? That's not what's been going on here in Loudoun County. It's all one-sided. Now, if you think this was harrowing as a parent of an alleged sexually assaulted daughter, imagine finding out that you're, you're the poster parent of the National School Board Association's claim that parents are domestic terrorists. Yes, Mr. Smith's arrest was cited by the National Board Association's letter to President Joe Biden when they solicited his help to corral unlawful parents who were threatening board members with violence and acting as domestic terrorists. Now, Mr. Smith had remained silent up to that point. Furthermore, the school board and the superintendent publicly denied any such crime as rape had occurred in the school district. Now, here's a clip of a board member asking the superintendent this question and the superintendent's response. This happened just a couple of weeks ago. Do we have assault? in our bathrooms or our locker rooms regularly? To my knowledge, we don't have any records of assaults occurring in our restroom. The issue of assaults taking place or transgender students assaulting other students in the restroom, uh, Time Magazine in 2016 called that um, a red herring. The predator transgender student is or person simply it does not exist. Yes, the school board attempted to cover up the initial alleged rape. After the second crime, they had to come clean, and you can bet parents were outraged. Well, this is the perfect time to take a break. I'm going to be here. You all come back. It'll be a short break. we got so much to talk about on the other side. Back at you in just a few. Now, never before in our history have we witnessed the level of hatred that is now being waged against our law enforcement. While anarchist groups create havoc, and overwhelm our first responders, these same groups and their corporate supporters are calling for the police forces to be shrunk and defunded. What can you and I do to make a difference? How can we stand up for what is right and to show our support? That's what I'm going to tell you about this incredible new platform. It's called shoptotheright.com. And it's a new shopping platform that will help you find businesses that align with your values. They feature products made in America. They support veteran-owned businesses, as well as our law enforcement community. This is a time when we need to stick together. We need to shop together, and we need to support each other. It's time 
for you and I to make some noise and stand up to protect our country. And one easy way to do that is to shop and give our money to companies that don't seek to destroy our way of life. So join the fight for liberty. ShopToTheRight.com. Support those American businesses that support law enforcement and veterans. While the cancel culture is determined to destroy our history, bringing violence and terror to city streets, America Out Loud will enhance its own message of love and honor for the American traditions and constitutional values that have always been the backbone of what America means. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. Get real, let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. This is McCullough Report. Are you tired of your tired vitamins? Consider Healthy Cell. These are pill-free vitamins that are in convenient gel packs. Uh, I like the Focus and Recall supplement. I use this a lot. You know, your brain uses a lot of energy and it depends on a variety of micronutrients and vitamins. Boost your short-term focus and long-term brain power with Healthy Cell's Focus and Recall Vitamins. So go to HealthyCell.com, use the code OUTLOUD, all capital letters, OUTLOUD, for a 20% off your first order of any Healthy Cell product. Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Is a record player the best way to listen to music? Of course not. So why are you still taking vitamins that haven't been upgraded since the 1930s? Even if your vitamins aren't hard to swallow, it's time to upgrade to Healthy Cells pill-free, patent-pending microgel supplements that work at the cellular level to boost immune health, sleep better, focus deeper, and stay younger longer. They taste great, convenient on the go, and they're more natural too, without chemical binders, fillers, and coatings. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order of any product. That's HealthyCell.com, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L, and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off. Hello, hello, and welcome back. Before the break, we were discussing the rape of Mr. Scott Smith's daughter. As mentioned earlier, Mr. Smith had followed through with keeping silent about the rape case under the instruction by the county prosecutor and the school administration. Now, he thought the reason for his silence related to the upcoming trial of the transgender girl who was actually a boy. As it turns out, that wasn't the reason they wanted Mr. Smith to remain silent. The woke school board was set to pass a transgender policy, number 8040, and they already had a world of negative feedback from parents about this policy. So they certainly didn't want any information getting out about the May 28th uh, alleged rape. Now, the policy 8040 uh, passed in August, but the parents knew nothing about this rape. As it turns out, well, there was already a policy that allowed transgender students to use a restroom of their preferred gender. The passage of policy 8040 made the policy formal. It 
It's also the ploy used by the alleged rapist as he was dressed like a girl, went into a female-only bathroom, and allegedly raped a 14-year-old freshman girl. I, I mean, a real girl. Now, Mr. Smith's greatest concern was that if his daughter was going to be safe when she was going to return to school this fall, the prosecutor told Mr. Smith that this allegedly uh, transgender boy, a transgender girl, excuse me, was under house arrest and he was wearing an ankle bracelet. This is, in fact, the sexual predator that assaulted my daughter. We were under the impression from the prosecutor that this sexual predator was being held on in-house arrest with an ankle monitor and would not return to school until these court sessions were done. You know, you're innocent until you're proven guilty, I understand that, but we do have to protect everyone at the same time. Surprise, surprise. On October 6th, Mr. Smith's wife received a text from an unknown parent wanting to know the name of the boy who had been, or the transgender girl, who had been arrested for the crime against his daughter. To make a very long story very short, Mr. and Mrs. Smith found out that the same transgender girl, posing as a transgender girl, had attacked another girl at the high school he'd been transferred to. Now, that's when Mr. Smith went public with his story, and, and it's a humdinger. In short, the school board was attempting to keep Mr. Smith quiet until the board could pass Transgender Policy 8040, over the broader community's strenuous objections. Had the Smith information about the alleged rape of his daughter by a transgender student been publicly known before the vote, uh, all hell probably would have broken out and I doubt it would have been passed. There are six other counties, by the way, in Virginia who've refused to pass a similar policy, even though the state legislature has passed a transgender policy which is the model policy requiring all school districts to pass uh, a similar policy under their model policy. It's a requirement, but still there are six counties outstanding. The school board, the superintendent, denied any such rape had happened up until the second alleged rape occurred October 6th. Now, I've got to stop here with this story because it's just, there's too much and it's too exciting actually. But next week, there's going to be so much more to this story and and uh, two of the most woke school boards in Virginia both supported by the Democrat gubernatorial candidate Terry McAuliffe we're, we're going to look into those really well I do appreciate you allowing me to plow through this but I ask for another minute or two of your indulgence I'm impatiently compelled to denounce the progressives fixation on the concept of inclusion Inclusion is part of the progressive's holy trinity of lesser gods. These gods of the progressive trinity are diversity, equity, and inclusion, DEI. I'm sure you've noticed that Joe and company are always heralding inclusion. They want an inclusive society, but they only want those who agree with them, and I mean totally and unequivocally agree with them, for inclusion in their elite society. Now, if you don't follow strictly along with each note in the progressive songbook, there's always the torture chamber of cancel culture. And don't forget reputational dismemberment. For instance, if you don't wish to take the COVID-19 vaccine, then you're not a patriotic American. 
If you don't agree that critical race theory is the new America, then you don't belong in their America. If you're a parent that shows up at a school board meeting to voice your disagreement with face-masking your kindergartner, then you're not a patriotic American. But in fact, you're likely a domestic terrorist deserving intimidation, harassment, public humiliation, and possibly even jail time. Okay, I'm stopping now, and I thank you for your patience with me as I vented those sentiments. As I mentioned at the beginning of this show, the radical progressives have been viciously attacking America's vision of the American family for at least the last decade, if not longer. So let me start this part by looking at abortion. Planned Unparenthood received $617 million in funding from our federal government each year. Now, I couldn't find one Democrat, not a Democrat representative nor a Democrat senator, who doesn't fully support this funding. This despite Planned Parenthood unplans more than 300,000 parentages via abortion on demand each year. Now, red states are passing stricter bans on abortion at earlier gestational ages because to Today's technology tells us so much more about when and how life begins and and takes shape. We also know more about the pain and unfolding child experiences in the womb when that baby is under attack by an abortionist. So how has the Biden administration responded to all this new information and to these new abortion laws passed by duly elected state legislatures? Well, Joe Biden strikes out against people of faith and he charges our pathetic Attorney General, Merrick Garland, to sue these states for unconstitutional practices. Of course, this is entirely consistent with the Biden administration. When nearly 20 states legislated new and significantly improved voter integrity laws, Joe Biden declared these efforts worse versions of Jim Crow and he instructed our Defend America Attorney General Merrick Garland to sue these states for abridging the voting rights of African Americans because black people can't be expected to own or obtain free-of-charge photo voter identification cards. Ironically, this is despite black, white, brown, yellow, and red Americans agreeing by a wide majority that photo ID voting cards and stricter voting integrity laws are okay with them. In fact, they're necessary. And why are they necessary? Well, I would say because of the 2020 presidential election, Joe. Yes, the majority of us are concerned with how you got elected, Joe. But back to the issue of abortion for a moment. Aborting healthy preterm babies is unquestionably a heinous act of disrespect for human life. But defending these acts of death by claiming women have a constitutional right to abort God's gift under scurrilous dictums of my body, my choice, is simply insulting. I mean, moreover, the Democrat-created rule of my body, my choice falls apart in the face of vaccine mandates. Now, vaccine mandates are meant that they're meant to save lives. So, what are abortions meant to save? Well, they're meant to save choice for progressives. Why is choice more important in obtaining an abortion than in refusing to take an experimental vaccine? 
Well, that's because that's the way Dr. Tyrant Pauci and our king philosopher Joe Biden have ruled. Preventing children from being born is one bloody method to control family formation. But the radical progressives, and I include Joe Biden among this ilk, have other methods of controlling family formation or family deformation in America. Let's walk through this example together. The National Council on Family Relations, a.k.a. NCFR. NCFR is a very definite far-left-leaning organization. Now, they've recently come forward and said, quote, a family consisting of a mom, a dad, and a child is an extension of white supremacy, and white supremacy is an extension of white privilege. I go on. White privilege is defined as an unearned benefit, often invisible and unacknowledged, that one received by belonging to family systems, long upheld in our society, as superior to all others. Now, these benefits are insatiated in U.S. laws, policies, and practices, yet they are bestowed upon only traditional white nuclear families to the disadvantage of non-traditionally configured family systems. These benefits serve to advantage certain family forms over others, and they're typically awarded to, once again, white traditional nuclear families. Now, from these statements, it should be obvious that the National Council on Family Relations has joined with critical race theorists in Black Lives Matter and a concerted and outright attack on the foundational values and norms we consider American culture. The, the NCFR is a well-funded, long-established family research organization. Unfortunately, the NCFR's pathetic and twisted policy positions on marriage and family are going to influence hundreds of marriage and family therapists and researchers across the nation. Now, the NCFR is just another far-left organ of what celebrated author and commentator Mark Levin has come to call the American Marxist. Remember, the critical race theory activists and proponents of CRT tenets are self-avowed Marxists, as are members, including the founding members of the Black Lives Matter organization. The core goal of all these organizations is first destroy the America we know and then rebuild it in their own image. And, and if you've spent any time researching the Marxist image of America, you, like me, pray then every night before we lay our heads down to sleep that this nightmare never sees the light of day in our America. If you get a moment, Google the National Council on Family Relations. You'll see they're a formidable organization with three journals and numerous charlatans totally devoted to critical race theory and preaching this fallacious, spurious gospel to America under the false fabric of social research. This, this ideology is what Biden and his White House minions are force-feeding Americans every day. And when I say force-feeding, I mean they're practicing authoritarianism through things like COVID-19 lockdowns, mandatory masks, and vaccine edicts. You know, we're 30 to 45 days away from the U.S. Department of Education mandating our children ages 5 to 18 years to be vaccinated or they're not going to be allowed a public school education. 
Now, now you say, no, this will never happen. Oh, really? The Department of Labor, through the Department of Occupational Safety and Health Administration, better known as OSHA, has outlined and published mandatory COVID-19 vaccination rules for practically all employees. Reaction to this OSHA vaccine mandate is what all the pushback by the commercial pilots at Southwest Airlines was all about last week. The cancellation of thousands of flights wasn't because of weather. That is, unless weather only affects Southwest flights. Now, the CEO of Southwest comes out and says, vaccine mandates aren't my idea. It's the Federal Aviation Administration through OSHA that's supplying these mandates. So, watch as the U.S. Department of Education puts the heavy hand of vaccine mandates on 14,000 local school districts through their already woke public school boards. Here's a couple of useful facts. According to Dr. Marty McCary, a professor of public health and surgery at the Johns Hopkins School of Public Health and Hospital, according to Marty, healthy children between the ages of one day and 18 years of age have a two in a hundred thousand chance of being hospitalized for COVID-19 infections. Now, considering the same age range, one day to 18 years old, if these children, if your children don't have a pre-existing comorbidity like leukemia, diabetes, obesity, and the likes, they have a 1 in 10 million chance of dying from COVID-19. Now, Pfizer tested approximately 380 kids in each of the following age groups from age 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, and 11 with their pediatric COVID-19 vaccine. Their submission for emergency use authorization is based on as few as 380 subjects in each of seven age, age groups. Their conclusion is the vaccine works. We, we already knew that. But 380 subjects in each age category isn't enough to experience all the possible negative side effects of, of using this type of vaccine in children. Now, many wise and knowledgeable pediatric physicians are recommending that parents with healthy youngsters wait until there's more data on these vaccines. And I've heard that if you have a child whose health is compromised, then, then talk to your pediatrician. The vaccine may make some sense for your child. Now, I've shared this information with you as if you actually have a say in what the government will decide to inject in your child. Schools will say they have no choice but to demand your child get vaccinated. The schools will blame the school boards. The school boards will blame the State Board of Education. The State Board of Education will blame the U.S. Department of Education. And Joe Biden will be happy to take the blame because he wants to be known as the health care president. He wants to be a bigger factor in stopping COVID than Donald Trump's warp speed project success. Joe will take credit for these pediatric vaccines. Joe and his sidekick, Tiny Tyrant Fauci, will say this pediatric vaccine is just like all the other vaccines kids have to take. But this is an out-and-out lie. Healthy children aren't dying from COVID. Yes, there are some complications post-infection and an extremely small fraction of kids who contract COVID. But I've already cited the probabilities of being hospitalized or dying if your child is, is healthy and between the ages of one day and 18 years old. 
this will soon be mandatory vaccination of children and it'll be nothing more than a power play by the White House and Joe's administration. Yes, both President Biden and Dr. Fauci resemble tyrants more and more, more and more each day. After all, the tyrant, by definition, is a ruler who arbitrarily and unjustly wields power to oppress the citizenry. Now, I ask you, what else has tyrant Joe gotten right while in office these past nine months? Was President Joe's first 20 executive orders reversing President Trump's solid, productive, economically positive policies needed? Or was it entirely arbitrary and unjustified in almost all cases? Did the immediate stoppage of the Keystone XL pipeline benefit Americans? Or was it arbitrary and unjustified? After all, we are now importing oil. If the reason to shut down the XL pipeline was to protect the environment from the from the use of fossil fuels that importing oil can hardly be thought of as an environmentally friendly policy did opening the southwestern border to all comers and releasing mexico from its obligation to hold migrants in mexico and until individuals could come in turn to their asylum hearings was that justified did Biden's cut-your-nose-off-to-spite-your-face haste to leave Afghanistan turn out to be arbitrary and unjustified? How about the memo the FBI and all states' attorney generals and the Civil Rights Division of the DOJ to crack down on unruly parents at school board meetings? Was that justified? Some time ago I did a Frankly Daniel show devoted to one premise. That premise was... If only Donald Trump was still president. Ah, yes, indeed. As you mentally thumb through what's happened to us over the last nine months, stop and ask yourself, what would America look like today if only Donald Trump was still president? You can find this show that I'm talking about under the Frankly Daniels Show by the same title, If Only Donald Trump Was Still President, on the America Out Loud radio network. I can see that clock is ticking away so fast, but I do want to talk to you about critical race theory, and I want to address the issue that it's not being taught in schools, and it's not being taught to kindergartners right here in America, which is not true. So let me share with you, what are the teaching vehicles used by kindergarten teachers in way too many locations across America? The book I wish to briefly talk about is entitled, Not My Idea. So go ahead and Google this book. I mean, it's entitled, Not My Idea, three simple words. You can find a, a reading of this book on YouTube by any number of follow-along uh, authors or readers. Uh, I'm going to play a few clips from a review by a Philadelphia public school teacher named Christopher Paisley. So let's call Mr. Paisley Chris for short. He has cleverly taken sections of the book read by others and coupled these readings by the author's description of her work and why she created this particular book. So here we go with clip one. Greetings. My name is Christopher Paisley. I'm a Philadelphia public school teacher. Today I'd like to talk about a toxic children's book that teaches whiteness is evil. I made a book that centers the problem of racism in whiteness. It's not enough to be outraged, to understand it intellectually. Um, what I was told was to focus on whiteness. Because Anastasia Higginbotham is fun and, and creates little things at the ends of her books, here are some activities. 
whiteness is a bad deal. It always was. All right. Here's a contract binding you to whiteness. You get stolen land, stolen riches, special favors. And then there's a little footnote that says land, riches, and favors may be revoked at any time for any reason. Whiteness gets to mess endlessly with the lives of your friends, neighbors, loved ones, and all fellow humans of color for the purpose of profit. The only price is your soul. Sign below. Dude, we can see your pointy tail. Yeah, who do you think is trying to make this deal? Mm-hmm, not an angel. You can be white without signing on to whiteness. I told you that whiteness stuff shows up everywhere. Maybe we'll even have a white Christmas here in Florida. Well, notice that Chris starts right off with noting that this is a toxic children's book that teaches whiteness is evil. Then the author tells us she centers the problem of racism in whiteness. Well, that was very white of her. Yes, uh, she is Caucasian as well. Then this clip switches to a male voice as a reader of the last page in the book. Quote, whiteness is a bad deal, always was. Then we hear the contract binding you to whiteness. If you sign this contract, you get stolen lands, stolen riches, special favors. But stolen lands, stolen riches, and special favors can be revoked at any time for any reason. Yeah, it sounds like something Joe Biden would do. Now, whiteness gets to mess with the lives of your friends, neighbors, and loved ones, all fellow humans of color, just for the purpose of profit. Then there's a place that says, sign below, where you get to give up your soul for your signature. And there's parts of the devil who you can't totally see, but he's behind the contract with a $20 bill in hand. The back page finishes up with, quote, you can be white without giving in to whiteness. Now, as author myself, there's nothing like leaving your five-year-old your five-year-old audience behind with a conundrum. Uh, you can be white without giving in to whiteness. Thanks a lot. To be or not to be white without whiteness. My gosh. Hello. Please tell me this isn't your favorite bedtime story to read to your son or daughter. Let's listen to clip two. Last year, the Evanston Skokie School District 65 which is north of Chicago, actually taught this book to kindergarten students and elementary school students. And this was reported and exposed by Christopher Rufo. Chris lets us know that this book was used in District 65, by the way, a very, very woke and very CRT-committed public school encompassing Northwestern University in north of Chicago. By the way, this book is widely used in a number of other blue state, blue city public schools. And you could assume that other books used to indoctrinate kindergartners follow the same types of storylines. In other words, the book, Not My Idea, isn't a lone creation. The next clip here in Chris's story is actually a promotion right off the author's website. This is a book about a white child who is seeing the TV over their mom's shoulder of a murder by a police officer of an unarmed person who has their hands up. Who has brown skin. So right away in the beginning of this picture book, you can see that Anastasia Higginbotham is now perpetuating this fake narrative. It's the Michael Brown narrative. P- a police officer uh, shoots and kills an unarmed person of color with their hands up. 
Okay. Their hands are up. They've obviously surrendered and they were just shot and killed. That's, that's the scenario in the picture book. Chris relates that the story opens with the girls seeing a police officer shoot and kill an unarmed black male who's attempting to surrender with his hands raised high above his head. This is supposedly the Michael Brown story, uh, obviously a false narrative of a very tragic shooting. As you may remember, on August 9 of 2014, a white police officer, Darren Wilson, shot and killed Michael Brown, an unarmed black teenager in Ferguson, Missouri, which is a suburb of St. Louis. Protests and riots ensued in Ferguson and soon spread across the country. This, of course, was a prelude to the George Floyd murder, with one major exception. The white police officer who killed Michael Brown did so in self-defense. Now, we know this to be true because it was investigated by the Obama attorney general at the time as a possible hate crime by the police officer. The popular Black Lives Matter slogan, hands up, don't shoot, originated from this incident. She just wants to put out this narrative that, you know, people of color are getting shot execution style by racist white cops for no reason with their hands up. Why she wants to do that, I have no idea. I guess she wants to try and sow the seeds of division and continue to polarize the country to get people really upset around these kinds of false, misleading narratives that don't do anybody any good. I do look forward to next weekend when we can continue talk therapy. Until then, cheers and blessings to all.